Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Fanalyst podcast. From Andy Murray's great return to tennis to Dominic Team's not so great return, we've got a lot to talk about today. I'm joined as always by Marcus Alley. Marcus, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Michael. Yeah, it's been an interesting first two rounds at the Western Southern Opens and big shocks, some uh, courageous performances, and yeah, just definitely lots to discuss on this Tuesday. Yeah, I think tennis has never fails to promise, even after competitive tennis has been out for quite some time. So Andy Murray has made a fantastic return to tennis. He hasn't played, he hasn't played competitive tennis since November 2019, but he has set the Western and Southern Open on fire with two thrilling free set wins. Uh, he defeated Francis Tiafo of Germany in three sets on Saturday and yesterday, Monday, faced Alexander Zverev, number seven in the world, and defeated him 6-3, 3-6, He spent over five hours on court across both matches doing so. Uh, Marcus, what have you, your impressions been of Murray? Uh, yeah, it's been it's been an outstanding two performances. Um, obviously, winning the first set in both, and then getting pegged back to one set ill, and then really digging deep uh, to to win a deciding set. I think that has been the main positive. Has been both matches sort of uh, over over two and a half hours. I'm pretty sure, and that he can, yeah, just dig deep, dig deep, and come through those. I think there is big question marks over Francis Tiafo and Sasha Zverev. Really, I mean, we saw Zverev. Um, put in four consecutive double faults towards the back end, um, losing the final set 7-5, I believe, yesterday. Um, so, I mean, the other players have a lot to answer for. However, in the Murray camp, I mean, you can't take anything away from him. You know, he's, he's already exceeded our expectations to get into the third round. And obviously, as we were discussing just, but just before we pressed the record button, the draw has nicely opened up for him now. I mean, if he gets past Milos Raonic, who I believe he has a solid head-to-head record against then he'll play either Filip Krajinovic or Marton Fucevic for a place in the semi-final. So, yeah, I mean, it's going brilliantly for Murray at the moment. Yeah, much better than anyone could have anticipated. And, yeah, just a great two wins to, to kick off this, this return of the season. Yeah, I completely echo what you say there. Um, it's been two fantastic wins. Of course, you do have to question the performances of, of particularly Zverev, I, you know, it was really odd seeing his serving at the end of that match. But nevertheless, you know, this is a guy that's won the ATP World Tour Finals. Um, you know, if you're going to come through in three sets against him, it's it's always going to be a good result. Um, and as you say, the Milos Raonic tonight, who, of course, he beat in the Wimbledon final uh, just a few years ago and the Queen's final just before that. Um, and a player, as you say, he's got a very good record against. And although it's still going to be a very tough match, Reinich has, has looked good early on in this tournament. I think I'm right in saying he hasn't dropped a set yet. So, um, again, going to be a really tough match for Murray. But that part of the draw is really open. Uh, Martin Fuksovic ranked 84th in the world. And uh, with a win against Krajinovic, could be into quarterfinal. Um, just a quick word on Sasha Zverev. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, he won the ATP Tour Finals uh, two years ago now. 
really look like the real deal. He's been a bit questionable since. Good results here, good results there. But I think we were both really hoping that after this suspended uh, tour and coming back, I think we would we were just hoping Zverev would come back with a bit of life in him. Uh, and I think this is a really, really poor poor performance from Zverev. What, what do you have to say? Well, I mean, I was feeling a bit more positive about Zverev as the game initially went on. Obviously, um, in that final set with Murray eventually winning it, um, 7-5. Murray was 4-1 up. He had the early break in the set. And then Zverev won four games in a row to get it to 5-4 and serve for the match, only to just capitulate completely on, on his serve in particular. So, I mean, I, w- I was thinking, yeah, Zverev's got it together. This this was some uh, positive signs, but um, maybe it was a bit, a bit of a dip in, in Murray's performance. But I do think we can allow Zverev this one little off performance. I mean, it's his first match back. Murray obviously had the Tiafo game. Uh, nice sort of um, two and a half to three hours under his belt coming into this game. So he definitely had the belief going into the, the uh, deeper parts of that last set. Going back to your original point about the ATP Tour Finals, yeah, Zverev has disappointed since winning that title in 2018. He had a frustrating 2019, not really um, consistently even winning those sort of 500 tournaments that we were used to seeing him do before that win in London. Um, so my overall feeling is we can let Zverev off on this occasion um, because it was his first game back. I mean, yeah, he performed in sort of drips and jabs, which I think most players will be. They're not going to be able to sustain the consistent level that they would be if they had been playing playing on the, on the tour for, for months on end going into this. Um, so yeah, benefit of the, of the doubt is, is my suggestion on this performance from Sasha Zverev. Yeah, interesting point of view that you make there. Um, I, I personally feel that this is the difference between players like Zverev and, and players like Djokovic. We'll go on to talk about Djokovic, but Djokovic had a bit of a tough first match back himself, but found the way to get through it, whereas you know Zverev himself didn't. But then again, we, did, we had the pleasure of recording last week with the editor of uh, Tennis Head. So if you haven't listened to that one, uh, do go back and listen. But, you know, we were saying with Tim, um, Andy Murray is a horrible first-round match to get, uh, especially after five, six months off. So, you know, however fit Andy Murray is, we were talking about his his quality with with Tim, about how he just always finds a way, no matter who he's against, what style they're playing, he always finds a way to make it at least difficult for them. So, um, yeah, I, I hope you're right there, and I do hope, that uh, we can still see some good tennis from Zverev in in the closing months of this year, uh, because it, it you know it was brilliant to watch him at the top of his game uh, earlier on uh, a, a couple of years ago, and it, it's been a shame what we've seen happen to him. Um, okay, so just moving on now uh, to the other really big story that came from last night, which is that Dominic Team. Uh, a player who has been creating a lot of hype, obviously made the Australian Open earlier this year. Um, and during the suspension, he's been playing a lot of exhibition tennis and, and looking really good in that. Uh, he's just been absolutely smashed in his first match back uh, to Filip Krajinovic, 6-2, 6-1. The 32-year-old Krajinovic won 7-5, 6-4 in his first round against qualified Caruso. Um, 
former Masters finalist, of course, we mentioned last week. It's a player that you really like, Kujinovic. But you must say, Marcus, it's very concerning uh, for a player that I know you're, you were tipping for the US Open this year and a lot of people were and, and you know, really not a good result. I mean, yeah, I did, did not see this coming at all, obviously, with how strong I've gone on team in recent weeks. I mean, it's just the manner of the defeat is really alarming. 6-2, 6-1 to win just three games against Krujinovic, a player that hasn't really scratched the surface inside the top 30, top 20, really, um, in his career. So, yeah, it is surprising and definitely a bigger uh, uh, warning signs will be um, flashing for team going into the US Open, which we see as such a big opportunity for him to, to yeah, just get that slam that, that first slam out of the way. Obviously, a player who has improved a lot on uh, on the hard courts in, in the last few years. Obviously, um, he won Indian Wells at the start of 2019. I think that might have been his first, well, it was his first uh, Masters title, I believe. Definitely on a hard court anyway. Um, so, yeah, this is just a bit of a setback. I mean, could probably say similar to Zverev maybe, but the manner of the defeat suggests that it's not just a bit of rustiness. I mean... Kudrinovic is a good player. He's a solid player. You know, he's a consistent top 50. He can, he can spring a surprise. But this is more than a surprise. I mean, team was probably in a, definitely in the top three favourites to win the tournament. And um, yeah, just to crash out in that style is, is really, really shocking. And um, yeah, it's uh, screwed my predictions quite a bit. Yeah, I was going to just mention now it's a good time to bring up the predictions as this result has, you know, there's still a way to go, but uh, I feel a lot more comfortable now. I've gone with Djokovic as my winner uh, and, and Marcus went with Dominic Team. And I didn't even actually go to Dominic Team to get to the final. I got Sissipas to beat him in the semi. So um, that draw has now opened up a little bit more for Sissipas. So fingers crossed for me uh, that he can get through. But yeah, just going back to Team, I think, I did wonder watching the Australian Open final this year, and it's something I wondered before that he just struggles with the mental side of his game. You know, we saw him, you know, looking really good in that Australian Open final. You know, Djokovic against play, playing against Djokovic in the final of the Australian Open is, apart from Nadal at the French, is as hard as Grand Slam finals can get. And, and Team had that in his hands, and I just I questioned his his mental game. Then it looked like he. You know, he, he just failed to take his chances. And I think now, over this suspended period, there's been a lot of pressure put on him. You know, people have watched him in the exhibition tennis and, and he's looked so good. And I think there has been a lot of pressure going on uh, on his shoulders going into these tournaments with Nadal and Federer not playing. And maybe I feel that this is just a sign that Dominic team doesn't handle pressure well. Well, I mean, I'm not sure there was that much pressure on this match. Obviously, it's the first game coming in. It's not like it's in the in the latter stages. Um, obviously, he did turn up in the Australian Open final, you know, get into a two sets to one lead. Um, and, you know, you can't blame him for losing to Djokovic as much. I mean, his level did drop. But, I mean, the amount of uh, consistent performance you need to sustain, to, to beat someone like Djokovic over, over five sets is a lot and has proved to be a lot as we've seen many, many try and fail in recent years. So it's a big blow to the team camp. However, 
I mean, I'm a bit hesitant to say I think he's going to win the US Open now, but I do think he'll recover and, and still have a successful tournament. Yeah, I think team does have that quality about him that, you know, one one week he might not have a good performance, but the next week he, he has turned up. We have seen that in the past. So hopefully for him, this gives him just a little bit more time to prepare for the US Open now and, uh, you know, live up to some of the expectations that were put on him and, and hopefully he, he, he can do well there. Um, obviously, we just mentioned Djokovic, so we'll, we'll move nicely on to Djokovic now. Uh, the world number one played his first game back after suspension last night. Obviously, he's the only one of the big three who's playing this tournament and the US Open coming up. He played uh, Lithuanian qualifier Ricardis Barankis. Uh, and he actually went a breakdown in both sets, Novak Djokovic. Um, but he came back to win them 7-6, uh, the first one in a tie-break, and then 6-4, the second set. Um, so I think that really shows the mental toughness of Djokovic. He, you know, he can bounce back from those those early setbacks. I think, although Barankis is ranked a lot lower than him, having those couple of extra qualifying matches. And the first round, you know, would have helped him get a feel for the ball a little bit more than Djokovic, who obviously was playing his, his first match in a while. But, um, you know, good for Djokovic to get through that, although maybe taken a, a little bit further than he would have liked to. He now faces uh, the 29-year-old American Tennis Sandgren in the third round, uh, who, of course, is a former Australian Open finalist, he knocked out the number 15 seed Felix Auger Aliassime uh, in three sets, which was a a, a big surprise. And Auger Aliassime, a player that I know you, Marcus, are really, really uh, excited about to see going forward. So, you know, do you think after we've seen Djokovic challenged in his first match, do you think Tennis Sangren could be a bit of a threat to the world number one? Um, I, th- I think he might cause him some problems. I think you just said former Australian Open finalist. And he's a quarter finalist. I'm pretty sure that's a little blooper in there. I'm sorry for that. Yeah, definitely quarter finalist. I've got yeah, yeah. Ten- Tennis Sangren definitely did not make an Australian Open final. I just want <laughs> just to confirm put that out there. There, yeah, just to confirm. Yeah, I definitely think that he could cause Djokovic problems, just as uh, Ricardo Barankes did cause problems to the Serbian however I do think that was more a case of Djokovic conserving a bit of energy I don't think he really got out of second gear he was just sort of picking his moments I mean like he, he broke um, Barankis at 4 uh, all in one of the sets I just feel like that might have been a game that he got himself a bit more up for knowing that then if he was able to break he'd just be able to serve it out um, to get over the line but no I think it was a good performance from Sangren against Felix Auger Aliassim. The young Canadian will be very disappointed. His performance in that um, match deciding tiebreak in the in the third set. But I think Sangren is a solid player. You know, he, he had match points against Roger Federer at the Australian Open this year, um, and ended up losing, obviously. So he does have the capabilities to test Djokovic. I can't see him getting the set. I can see the sets being quite close as it was in the Barankis match. Um, so the real answer for me is, is no. Tom, uh, Tennis Sangren will not stretch the efforts of Novak Djokovic in the third round. Yeah, and just a comment on my little blooper there. Uh, Tennis Sangren is actually a former two-time Australian Open 
quarter-finalist, making the quarter-final this year uh, for a second time, as you mentioned, had those match points. Uh, so just a quick sort of look uh, down the draw now uh, at other results. Uh, we haven't actually mentioned Daniel Medvedev, the young Russian who is the reigning champion at the Western and Southern Open. Uh, he played his first match uh, last night against American qualifier Marcos Giron. Uh, he won both sets 6-4. So fairly straightforward, comfortable win for Medvedev. He now faces uh, former Brit Alias uh, Bedenay, who uh, has got two really impressive wins so far. He defeated the 13th seed Christian Garin, albeit Garin a bit more of a, a clay court suited player. Um, but then I, I think more impressively, uh, Bedenay defeated Taylor Fritz, the young American in straight sets, who you know I'd, I thought might have quite a good tournament at the Western and Southern. So could be a tough match for the reigning champion, Medvedev. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't say a tough match. I mean, I'm still very confident that Medvedev will get the win here. Um, however, also very impressed with Aliash Bedene aiming to, aiming to being able to make his way into the last 16. Yeah, I mean, Garin has proved that he can, um, he can show his qualities on the hard court, um, despite the majority of his ranking points being being one in uh, clay court events. But yeah, Fritz is definitely the win that stands out. Um, yeah, getting it in straights as well. Yeah, Fritz is someone that's had a good year, must be close to his a career high ranking at the moment uh, for, for the Americans. So yeah, no, Bedenay has impressed me. Um, I mean, as a ceiling for Bedenay, I don't really see him breaking into the top 30 ever. He seems to sort of hang around the 60s and, and, and 50s. Um, so I think Medvedev should be comfortable. However, he will need to play well because obviously, yeah, Bedene has shown that he can he can hit the ground running coming back in this new era of tennis. And yeah, you're you're correct there in saying that uh, Taylor Fritz is at his career high at the moment of 24. Been there obviously since uh, March when the tennis was suspended. So yeah, re- really good win for Bedene, who is ranked 61st as you say and does hover around that zone a little bit. So, yeah, I, I too would um, be surprised uh, if we did see Bedenay winning, but, you know, could could at least be a, a, a bit of a challenge for Medvedev. Uh, just three other seeds that have gone out to mention. Uh, the 12th seed, Denis Shapovalov, uh, was, uh, went out to Jan Struff, the German 34th-ranked player. Uh, that was in three sets. Shapovalov uh, won the second set. And uh, the ninth seed, Diego Schwartzman, has gone out in straight sets to Riley Opelka. And uh, then we lost uh, two days ago the tenth seed. Possibly one of the biggest upsets uh, of the tournament so far was Dan Evans defeating uh, tenth seed Andre Rublev in three sets, albeit... Uh, we we can't soak in the glory of that now, as uh, Dan Evans went out in straight sets to Milos Reinich, uh yesterday. So, um, any anything you want to mention on any of those three results, Marcus? Um, I think Jan Ennard Struff's probably someone that we should highlight. That's had quite a good run. Obviously, a player that's been quite frustrating, I think, because he's, he's he's shown shown signs that he can beat the best players on his day and sort of push into that top thirty. But now, at thirty years old. I think he finds himself around that around that thirty mark, and probably 
um, as we said about a couple of players last week, maybe thinking that he hasn't really reached his full potential. But no, yeah, good win against Alex Di Menor in in the first round. And then uh, putting out Shapovalov, obviously, very, very entertaining young player in the second round. Um, just one player also I'd like to highlight would be Diego Schwartzman against Riley Opelka. Quite an unlucky matchup stylistically, I think, for Diego Schwartzman. Obviously, Opelka being double his height, basically, and just slamming down serves. It doesn't really suit the game of Schwartzman. I mean, he did, he did well to take it to three sets, I believe. Um, so, yeah, it's quite unlucky, really, just to come up against Opelka. I just don't think we can expect much from Schwartzman in a game like that. He did well to come through a tough first-round game. So, I think still think the Argentinian has had an OK return to tennis. Um, but, yeah, so that's my take on, on, on those results. Yeah, potentially a little bit of a... David versus Goliath in a Schwartzman, one of the smallest players in the top 100. I hesitate to say, to say smallest, although I don't know for certain. And Opelka, one of the tallest. So, yeah, um, there is one player uh, that I know you want to just have a little mention about. That's the young Finn, uh, Rusuvori. Uh, we're hoping we're pronouncing his name right. He got through a first round match against an American qualifier quarter and gave and gave the number six seed uh, Berrettini a really good match in his uh, second match. Uh, so yeah, Marcus, do you want a, a word on, on that? Yeah, uh, uh, Mil Rusevori of uh, Finland is a new kid on the block, uh, just just 21 years old, but um, really impressed before, before lockdown and also straight away back in qualifying, beating Jeremy Shardy an experienced campaigner from France in straight sets before knocking out the Brazilian Thiago Monteiro, also in the top 100 in the last round of qualifying. He's currently ranked 100 exactly in the world, but I'd expect him to break into the top 100 very soon, maybe even after this week and his first round victory, where, as Michael has just said, overcame the tricky young American Sebastian Corder, just 20, quite a big server, and uh, yeah, he had to dig deep and uh, he won, won, won a deciding set 7-5 in that one. So it just proved another side of his game that um, yeah, he did, did pose a big test, did Corder to Rusevori, but he came out the winner. Um, Corder obviously had also been a good qualifier. He beat Gilles Simon in, in the final round of qualifying, which, which caught the eye of a, of a lot of people. And Attila Balash, a former 250 finalist in the first round. However, the second round was the end of the road for Rusevori, losing the deciding set 7-5, the opposite to what had happened against Corda to Matteo Berrettini, but obviously pushing the world number eight to a, to a final set where he's got to win, you know, you know seven games, got, he's got to win 7-5 just to put out the player that's 100 in the world just shows that, yeah, we could have someone, someone that we'll be talking about a lot in the future in Emil Rusevori. Yeah, we've, uh, we've spoken about a few up-and-coming uh, players on this podcast and there's two more names for you there in Emil Rusevori and uh, Sebastian Corda and, and as you say brilliant win for Corda in qualifying against Gilles Simon who is Queen's finalist last year against uh, Feliciano Lopez and the player who's been you know in the top 100 for as long as I can remember so you know yeah t- two really exciting players to listen out for. Um, just one quick mention on uh, la- last player is uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas, uh, the fourth seed. 
uh, he got a brilliant win, uh, 6-1, 6-3, against former Wimbledon finalist Kevin Anderson. So, uh, you know, Sitsipas, who was my pick to get to the final so far, is looking really strong. So I'm just mentioning that because I'm, I'm hoping that uh, it's going to do me well in my predictions. So we're going to look ahead now to the round of 16 matches, which get underway tonight. The last 16 players in the draw. Uh, we've got Djokovic, Sandgren at the top, which we've spoken about a little bit. Uh, so far, a, f- a few really tasty ties in there, though. Uh, we'll start with uh, 11th seed Karen Hatchinoff against 8th seed Roberto Bautista. A good two players we haven't spoken about so far, but I think stylistically this could be a really close contest and it, it could be really 50-50 on how it goes. What do you think, Marcus? Yeah, I mean, outside of uh, Andy Murray versus Milos Raonic throwing in a bit of a, a personal interest, that is the one that grabs me that in, in the last 16 ties, apart from apart from that one. Yeah, obviously very closely, um, close, close in the rankings, these two. And uh, yeah, Roberto Bautista has been a pleasure to watch over his career. Um, you know, he just leaves everything out on the court. You know, he's completely maximise his ability really he's not a player with huge weapons he doesn't have a massive serve but he just gets every last drop out of his performance and I suppose that, that can't be said for Karen Hatchinov we've seen some very inconsistent displays since he's really broken into the top 20 in the last few years so yeah I can see that one definitely going to go into a deciding set and um, yeah both of them will, will battle it out uh, to reach to reach that last eight um I've gone for Bautista Agut on the predictions. I know you've gone for Hatchinov. Um, so, yeah it's, uh, yeah, it's an exciting tie. Yeah, definitely. I echo everything you say there. Um, Bautista Agut, really a player that, very much like Andy Murray, just will go out and, and get the job done, regardless of, of who he's playing. Uh, and, and, yeah, as you say, Hatchinov, uh, a very exciting younger Russian talent, uh, one of, you know, many young and up and, young up and coming Russian players, but it has, has been a little bit inconsistent. So another draw that really catches my eye is number four seed, Stefan Tsitsipas, uh, coming up against the American number one, the home favourite, John Isner, who got for a really, really tricky uh, second round match against John Millman. Uh, they went to a deciding tie break in that. Uh, so, Really, really tough match for him. Uh, Marcus, how do you see this one going? I know Tsitsipas, you would argue, is is definitely a favourite for it, considering their, their matches yesterday or in, in the days before. But um, isn't it definitely a player that could cause Tsitsipas some problems? Yeah, I mean, if he can back up his huge serve with, with some consistent ground strokes on his own serve, then, I mean, he's going to get to a tie-break. I mean, it's tough to tough to consistently... Uh, a breakdown that John Isner served when he is on form. He'll definitely take confidence from beating John Millman. That was a tough match. Uh, yeah, the tricky customer is John Millman. And I think he won the first set, so Ilma, uh, Isner had to, had to come from behind in that one. Um, but no, I'm sticking with Sitsa passed away. He destroyed Kevin Anderson. I mean, maybe you could argue John Isner is a similar style player to Anderson, so maybe this will suit Sitsa Pass having already overcome that, uh, that sort of challenge. 
Um, so yeah, unfortunately, not not going well for me in, in the prediction league. But I'm going to have to say six to pass to win this one comfortably. Yeah, it's a good point you make. Actually, um, Anderson and Isner, extremely similar players at what they do. So with with that win for six to pass, as you say, would would really give him some confidence going into this match. Uh, just. Other matches to go through uh, that we haven't mentioned. Jan Leonard Struff will face uh, David Goffin, who's the number seven seed. He's uh, escaped our mention this podcast. Uh, number three seed and reigning champion Daniel Medvedev will face Bedenay. Uh, and then there's the two sort of unlikely uh, round of 16 matches with Andy Murray facing Milos Rajnic and Martin Fuchsovic facing Filip Krajinovic. Anything you just want to put in on, on those matches, Marcus? Um, not particularly. I mean, I think we've spoken about Struff and, yeah, Goffin has gone under the radar a little. And, yeah, I mean, it's just a bit of a... Uh, the, the outside tie that no one's really going to be talking about is Martin Fuchovic versus Filip Krajinovic. Obviously, Krajinovic now inheriting that second seed from Dominic Team um, uh, in the draw. I think that could be a cracker, really. I mean, Fuchovic has been in great form. He flew through qualifying and has beaten Grigor Dimitrov, of course, another former ATP Finals winner, just to make his way into the last 16. So, yeah, that could def- definitely be a closely contested match and, um, yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on. Yeah, and uh, so that basically rounds up the men's side of things. Just a quick couple of... Uh, mentions on the women's side of things. Uh, Britain's Joanna Conta looked very impressive in her first round match. Uh, just lost, I believe, two games uh, in her first round match against uh, Wickmeyer of uh, Belgium. And uh, Serena Williams given a really, really, really good match uh, yesterday against uh, a rankster. I'm not sure if I say the first name exactly correctly but it's a rankster Roos of the Netherlands uh that was a really good match uh Roos served the match out uh well was serving for the match sorry and uh Serena Williams really fought back got into a deciding tie break and won it seven love uh which really contradicted the rest of the match because it had been such a close match and it was a shame to see Roos uh struggle so much in that in that tiebreak, because she put up a fantastic performance, probably the performance of her career so far uh, for the 29-year-old Roos. Uh, and then uh, Coco Goff, the 16-year-old, exciting 16-year-old, she has also gone out in her first match at the Western and Southern Open. And one more piece of news to bring you up to date with is that Kei Nishikori, uh, has tested positive for COVID-19 a second time. Uh, We spoke about this on last week's podcast when he got the first uh, positive test back. It obviously has put him out of this week. Uh, Now the second positive coronavirus test will threaten uh, his chances of playing at the US Open at the end of this month and in September. yeah, it would be a shame not to see Kai Nishikori at the US Open, considering he made the final round 20. Yeah, it will be a shame for, for him. Yeah, you definitely, definitely feel for him. Obviously, gone through all the training to come back 
come back and uh, try and try and kick on. Really, he's probably towards the end of his career now. I don't not sure he's going to hit the heights he got into the top top five in the in the world in his career. I'm not sure he's going to ever get back close to that. I mean, yeah, he's been a consistent top tenner. It's just sad that we can't see him come back for these eagerly awaited events. Maybe we'll see him come back in in the, in the clay court swing and maybe maybe he can uh, propel himself up the rankings a bit with some good results there. But yeah, just uh, best wishes really and, and yeah, get well soon to Kane Ishikori. Yeah, of course, from the tennis analyst, we hope that Kane Ishikori does very well in his recovery and we wish him the, the best recovery possible. Okay, so that was our take on the Western and Southern Open. Still lots of action to come and lots more to talk about but of course it wouldn't be the tennis this podcast if we didn't do a little bit of trivia or guess the player at the end so we've just got one guess the player for this week as we've had quite a lot to talk about uh, i have done a guess the player for marcus so uh, basically if you haven't listened before i just read out five clues uh, to a player and uh, they they are get get easier as it goes through and uh, Marcus will try and guess who the player is. So uh, clue number one for Marcus on my guess the player for this week is I have made three third rounds of Grand Slams, but my career high is only 87. Blimey. <laughs> That's uh, quite a detailed clue, but not that easy. Career high 87, three third rounds. I mean... You're not a very good player, are you? Let's go for career high eighty-seven. That is an obscure one. Um, oh, what's that Italian guy's? Is it Stefano Travaglia? Uh, a good guess. I don't ever recall seeing him in the third round of a Grand Slam. Uh, in fact, I don't even know if I ever recall watching him play. But uh, it is. It is not him. Uh, second clue, I beat Joe Wilfred Songer at this year's Australian Open after he retired at two sets to one down. So that is just uh, if you remember the event. Okay. Is it Evgeny Donskoy? It is not. I would think Donskoy's been higher than 87, but fair enough. Uh, now, clue number three might give you a bit more of a clue. Uh, I'm only 21. Okay, I like that, yeah. So he's only 21 years old, so that, yeah, that gives him an excuse for having a career high of 87. So just to round up the clues at the moment, 21 years old, career high of 87, but has made the third round of Grand Slams three times uh, and beat Joe Wilfred Songer at this year's Australian okay. Uh I think this guy's probably older than 21, but I'm going to go for Tanasi Kokonakis. Okay, uh, yeah, I reckon he's a little bit older, but a, a good guess. Uh, you're probably not too far off with ranking. Um, question number four. I missed out on last year's next-gen finals by one place. So we haven't seen him in action at the next-gen, but he has come extremely close. Yeah, I'm definitely going to kick myself if I don't get this now. Because I used to look at those rankings quite a lot. Uh, is it Alexei Popyrin? Correct. Well done. I think you've, I reckon that's about the second or third time you've got it on clue number four the last few weeks. So 
Congratulations. Number five clue was going to be I'm Australian, uh, which I think would have given it away because obviously the other real Aussie youngster, Alex Dimonur, has definitely been a lot higher than, than 87 in the world. Uh, but yeah, that was your guest, the player of the week, uh, Alexi Poppyrin. Marcus, do you want to add anything on Alexi Poppyrin? Yeah, I mean, I just think he's a good prospect. You know, I agree. He's got a great physique. Um, maybe one of those players, like we've had discussions about Felix Auger-Aliassim this week, so just about developing his game around around being, being a strong server. Um, and yeah, obviously he's proven himself at the slams, three third rounds by the age of 21. I mean, a lot of people would, would buy a hand off for that. Um, so yeah, Poppy Red's a good prospect. Yeah, he's, he's an up-and-coming player to keep your eye on if you're a tennis fan that likes looking down those rankings. So um, that pretty much rounds up all we've got for you today. Uh, the Western Southern Open will continue at four o'clock this afternoon, uh, kicking off with Daniel Medvedev against Alias Bedene and Yannina Struff against David Goffin. Uh, Murray and Djokovic both in action later tonight. So if you are watching the tennis this week, enjoy it. Uh, we hope we'll enjoy it as well, and we're sure we will. There's some great action to come. Uh, we'll be back later on in the tournament to talk about more developments and uh, the later rounds. So thank you very much. I've been Michael Gillett, uh, Marcus. I've been Marcus. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much, and have a good few days.